This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I got Auntie in the building. Auntie Pat is here with me today. Guys, you're in for a treat. We're up in New York. And we're about to have a really serious conversation, one that most of you may be avoiding, but you need to have because there's only one promise in life, and that's that it's going to end. And my aunt has spent decades in the funeral service. I won't say how many because she told me not too long ago she's still young and looking fly. And if I if I put the years that she's been in the industry as a way of quantifying her expertise, I may give away a little bit on her age. And so with that said, Auntie, welcome in. Thanks for coming to the show and sharing this wonderful message that will help people maybe reframe the way that they've been thinking about transitioning on to the next part of their life. And thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me once again. You know, this is a very interesting topic, Jay. And, I, you know, I try to get the message out to people because what, what I have discovered in my years of funeral service is that when people come in to plan a service for their loved one, most of the time, they don't know what they want. They don't know what they want. They come in, most of the time, and they go by the guy down the street. And uh-huh. that person would say, you know, I went to ABC Funeral Home, and oh my God, I just spent like $15,000 on a funeral. And I often tell people, the cost of a funeral is what you make out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just you go to the grocery store, you buy something. Like you say, you know, you may go in there, you're hungry, and you just pick up everything. People who are grieving, sudden death, they go through so much emotion. They're buying flowers, they're buying cars, they're buying programs. They're getting four or five limousines. Do they need that? Most of the time, they don't. But what they want to do, they want to kind of show the community how much they really love, they love one. And sometimes it's guilt. You know, I wasn't there for mom or dad, so let me spend all the money now. But let me tell you the secret. They spend the money, not their money, but their loved one's money because it's coming from an insurance policy. 
So I said, hey, why not? And yes, I can give them ten or fifteen thousand dollars. I got another fifty thousand dollars left. You know, give them something. So when I see that happen, I often sit back and I like to be transparent to my families to say, you know, is this something that you really, really want to do? Did you think this through? And sometimes they haven't. That's why I don't do any arrangement with a person one-on-one. You bring somebody in with you. I don't care, or sister, brother, if not a next-door neighbor, because emotionally, you're going through a lot. And you're making some nothing-sound decision during that time. So I, I try to help them along the way with that. And the other thing, interesting thing when planning a funeral service, Jerry, is that I noticed that people really don't know that much about their loved ones. Uh-oh. You know, when you plan a funeral, there's one piece, a very important piece in the program, which is your eulogy or the obituary. And people, you'd be surprised you live in the same household and folks don't know much about their loved ones. Come on now. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Oh, there is a, in our fact sheet, I, I usually ask family, this is one of the key ones, I ask family this question. Can you tell me the name, if that if it's their father that died? I said, can you tell me the name of your father's mother, first and maiden name? And you know the reply that I get? Oh, my, my father's, I only know where my name is, Big Mama, that's it. No, 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 what was her birth name? You know, that's what I need to know, because this has to go on the document. Oh, yeah, I remember Mama Susie, that's what they call her. Her first name was Susie. Can you give me Susie's? Maiden name. Oh, I wasn't born then. I don't know. Is there any reason to say, I'll say why you don't know anything about your loved one because you weren't born? It's about family history. It's about our legacy. These are questions that we should ask around the dinner table, like maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas, and say, hey, Dad, I know Mom's name was Susie, but what was her maiden name before she got married? Yeah. And then start jotting that information down. I tell people, I said, you know what, when you talk about death and dying, it's just like your birth certificate. The information that's on that birth certificate carries all the way through your death certificate. And you right. need to know those facts. But, it, it, you know, it's interesting. You know, I, I wrote a book recently. It should be coming out soon. And these are some of the exercises that I put in the book to get people to start thinking about their legacy and what's being left behind. Death and funeral, death, birth and death. It's going to happen. We know we were born. We know we're going to die. But it's what's in between that people kind of lock and don't do anything about that I want them, I want to bring awareness to them. Right. Like, come, let's, let's kind of dig deep with the in-betweeners. I call it the in-betweeners because that's what we acquire between birth and death. And these are the things that we need to pay attention to so that we are able to leave something behind, some sort of instruction, some sort of legacy something behind for our loved ones to carry on in life. Yeah, so I get some criticism from time to time because I say when people don't prepare for death, they're being selfish. And people are, get upset with me and they're like, how can you say that? I don't want to think about my death. I said, but it's the only thing that you know is going to happen. Like, you don't know if the car is going to start. You don't know if the electricity is going to come on when you hit the lights. But, but you know at some point that your time on this earth is going to expire. And if you just leave that mess, because for a lot of people, it ends up being a mess for other people to clean up, I think it's selfish. And so let, let's dive into this a little bit, because people may be asking, well, 
she's talking about funeral service. Like, how did you even like get into this business? Because I don't know many people who know folks who are working in the funeral home, directing, helping people in that time where they're they're grieving and upset and frustrated and all the other things that happen when people pass away. Sometimes it's angry. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've gotten to live, you know, before getting into the funeral service, Jay, as you know, auntie loves sewing. So I went to fashion in FIT and I learned all about sewing. I learned it from grandma. And I said, you know what? I wanted to find a niche with the fashion. And I thought maybe designing burial garments for the dead would be something interesting. Because the ones that I've seen, I mean, the burial garments look just like it says, burial garments look very dead. There was nothing to it. I mean, nothing whatsoever. So I hit the pavement of New York and started knocking on the doors at various funeral homes because I wanted to understand what it is that family goes through. I kind of knew what it was, but I wanted to get into the meat of things to really understand the, the, the emotion, the, the psychologists of people grieving family when death happens so I can kind of get a vision of what type of clothing I could design for them. So that didn't happen, all right? I started designing clothing for the folks. One, one sales director said to me, he said, the only way you're going to be able to come into the doors of this funeral home, you have to go to school. I said, but I don't want to deal with the dead folks. I just want to make clothing for them, you know? So the girls are being shut on me up and down the avenues. And I said, you know what? She gets this. I'm going out. I'm going to get or I'm going to go to school. If this is what it takes, I'm going to school. And when I come out, I have a better understanding and I can design the garments the way I see it for the dead. Once the school came out, got in contact with the field home because I had to do a resident. And I tell you, when I got there, I really loved dealing with the grieving family. I didn't design one burial garment. After I got out of school, not one, even though I still love sewing. And I, I began to gravitate to the grieving family, try to understand what they were going through and try to make an experience for them. Not a grieving type of experience, but more a lifelike experience of celebrating their loved ones. Okay. And I want to gear into more being funerals during my career, you know? Um, okay. And so you said you loved working with the families. Talk to me about that because usually they're sad. Like, I mean, they're, they're crying, like, and maybe you see a different part of it. So like, what made you enjoy working with the family? Yes. The families, they come in crying. They, you know, they, they're grieving, they're lost. They don't know what to do because the average person, the average family may have maybe one death, two deaths every five or 10 years, to be honest with you. Okay. So if you've never experienced this, you, you're coming in with fear. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what to do. You don't know what question to ask. What I love about it, and I guess this is a gift within me, that I can get the family pretty much relaxed. I get them to talk a little bit about their loved one before I dive into pricing. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your loved one. What is it that they like doing? And then they get relaxed and start opening up about Dad like joins this, he likes fiction, he does this, that, and the other. And then I kind of help let them help me along the way with the funeral planning. Okay. So by gathering this information, I'm hoping now, like, okay, we know dad likes fishing. We could put something like that in his obituary. 
Okay. Dad and mom like to travel a lot. We can add that into his adventurarity. So when we get some of the personal factors in place, then we're going to now what type of service would you want for dad? Do you want him to be buried or cremated? Do you want, or, or how many limousines? Do you want limousines? You know, what about his program? What type of program do you want for him? Do you want something simple with just one picture on it? Or you want a magazine style program, eight pages with multiple pictures. Let's personalize this funeral service for dad. So I, I find them joining me in a more a relaxed state of mind, you know, when I'm making the arrangement. So it's like the tears, they're wiping away the tears a little bit and they're getting more involved with the planning because now I got them relaxed enough that they understand a little bit about the process and it's not as hard as they thought it would be when they walk through the doors. And many of my families, when they get up and walk out, they say, Miss Lyons, you know what? This is easier than I thought because I try to make it easy for them. So this part, I think, is super interesting for me because this is, for all intents and purposes, a linchpin in their legacy, right? Like this is the final viewing for most folks. This is the place where the people that they impacted the most usually show up and pay their regards and speak to the family. And so if this isn't done well, would you say that it negatively impacts the way they'll be remembered? Yes, absolutely. You know, I've I've had families, repeated families, you know, one family would come in, maybe this is the first time they experienced death and they went through some road bumps around the way. The second time around, they come back. Now I know I've done this already. I understand. I know what process that needs to be taken. I had my monies in place. I'm more conscious. I don't have to overstand because I know exactly what I want. And those family, I really appreciate it because you know what? They have taken the time and think things through. They're not going on impulse. They're going on like, I know what I want for my loved one. Or some of those family have come back, members have come back and say, hey, I want to plan my funeral now, you know, because this is what I want to do. I don't want all the bells and whistles, you know, I want to make it simple. You know, I, I want maybe just a direct cremation and then have a memorial service for me. You know, I don't want any limousines. I don't want any programs. Instead of that, let's get like maybe some keychains that my loved one can have and remember me by. So it makes a big difference when you know a little something or have experience and planning a funeral for your loved one that when you come back the second time around, you could help another family member or even for yourself planning your funeral. So you created a resource that basically allows people to walk through your process before the point where they're in this crisis mode. And I call it a crisis because somebody passes away got maybe 14 days before they got to be in the ground, if I'm not mistaken. So that or, soon, or sooner. Some people right. do seven days. And, you know, I, I tell folks, I said, you know, I know you don't want to talk about this, but who in their right mind will walk into a store and drop 15 or $20,000? I'm just using that as an example on any merchandise or before researching to find out what it involved, what do you buy it? 
you, if you go and buy a car, you just go in the, in the dealership and say, hey, I want this car. They go $50,000. No, you want to start researching and find out what this car is all about before you dump your money. When it comes to funeral planning, people don't do that. They only spend high ticket dollars on funerals when the crisis come. And what happened, there are emotion and it's like, listen, that's the cost. We just have to give it up. But you, any, I think anything that you buy and funerals, you're buying, you're buying a service. That's Find right. out what the cost is before you go out and spend that kind of money. So are you finding that people get taken advantage of when they don't plan properly prior to being in the situation? I don't, I, I wouldn't consider it being taken advantage of. I, I, I would say because of the lack of knowledge, people are, you know, sometimes overspending because, you know, okay. the lack of knowledge. As, as, as a funeral director, you know, we can't tell a family, oh, you're spending too much money or whatever because this is, they love one, this is what they want. But I think if they had a, a better understanding of what they are buying before the time comes, you know, they would look at things a little differently because the, funeral, the cost of a funeral is what you decide on. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, a.k.a. the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So there's some basic necessities that they need, but it can get really elaborate or extravagant. And the only other thing that I can think of that probably is similar in price point are weddings. Yes. Right? And I think people at times overspend on those. And some of the things that they spend big dollars on don't end up being as meaningful as they thought or think they might be when they're going through the process. Is no, that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's interesting, and I don't know the answer to this question, so hopefully this goes over well, but the funeral directors are in a sales role in a lot of ways, right? I mean, they're helping people figure out, they're guiding them through this process that is a transaction at some point, right? I mean, yeah. nobody does this for free. It's always disheartening when I see people doing GoFundMes or they're doing this chicken place at the church or yeah. eh, there, there's just so many unfortunate things that happen when people don't plan for this at all. And so, but if we put the money aside and we start having this conversation about legacy, about family history, about emotional spending, because I think that's very different from a planned event. One that you know is going to happen at some point, even if it happens later or sooner than you expect it to happen. So when when we are thinking about these, I suspect most of us don't have exposure to stories of when it just flopped. It was a failure, right? We don't know how important the flowers are. 
or how right. important the charity donations are or how important the casket is or any of this stuff, right? We're just in there and basically going on gut fill and the guidance or recommendations of the person that we're sitting with. But I think you created a resource for folks that will help them figure out a lot of the questions that they're going to be asked. Because I think that question that they get asked is one that raises a stress level yes. and makes them kind of scared or somebody is left out of the program that maybe should have been in the program. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that resource is and why it's relevant right now? Like, what are you seeing happen? Maybe it was accelerated by COVID or not. Well, yes, what I see happening, yes, COVID did play a very important part with this. And prior to that, I've seen a lot of challenges people were facing, or even family was facing. And this resource that I put together, Jay, this workbook, is to really help people to look at themselves. Because I told folks, you are the person important. You're the person responsible for your for the end stage of life, for your end stage of life. We always say... Wait, wait, you got to say that again. <laughs> you are you. The, you, right. You are the person, not mommy, daddy, aunt, sister, brother. You are the person that's responsible for your end stage of life, the finances that comes with it, the choices that you want. Because what happens, which I think is very unfair, which is very selfish, is that when we leave that responsibility to someone else and we don't even know what it is that you want. You're putting me through grief and emotional stress and then I have to figure out, do you want to be buried? Do you, should I cremate you? You never discuss any of this with me or the family members and there's no money. So what am I going to do? I'm going to cremate you. That's the least expensive way to go. But did you really want to be cremated? Have, you know, you may say, you know, I don't, don't cremate me. But you left no monies behind. So the only choice I have is to cremate. And not only that, you didn't leave any monies behind. I can't even do like a memorial service to celebrate you because I'm strapped for monies. So to dispose of your body, the best thing I can do is to cremate and just go back with just memories of you. And you're, you're leaving this world as if you never existed. Ouch. So it's like, is that what you want? You know, you, you know, you live, you live, I don't care if it's two years, three years, a hundred or more, but you've been here, you know, you existed in, in the universe. So why go out like you never lived? What about you? You know, think about you. How do you want to be celebrated? And it doesn't have to be so extravagant. No, oh, no. You, like I you can do a direct cremation if that's what you choose to do. But bring family and friends together and say, hey, let, let me celebrate this person. They did live a life. They impact somebody along the way. You know, I, I had a group that called me the other day that they want me to do a Zoom meeting with them. This was a correction officer, a correction officer. And they're on, what you call it, GoFundMe, trying to raise money. It's like, how do we do this? We can buy everything else in life. You know, we buy all designer bags and clothes and everything else, but we never think about the end stage of life. And that's something that's promised. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be born and we're going to die. So those are the two pieces that you should have together, especially when it comes to death. Well, the born part, you 
you don't have any resources. You don't have any earning capacity. So you probably can't help that part. Right. But on the backside. Exactly. You better have some options. Okay. So I think we've established that folks are responsible for this. And I appreciate you saying that explicitly. So now they can be mad at you instead of being mad at me. But that's okay. (laughs) And I don't even know if mad at you is an accurate way to describe it. Here's the thing. If you are trying to guide people and they don't have resources, it really ties your hands and limits what they can do for that final send off, that thing that, you know, people are boohooing and can't talk, can't eat, depressed, however you want to describe it. And Mm -hmm. they're feel even more grief because they can't show up for that person and demonstrate that they cared about them and they valued them. And, you know, I think there are probably situations and you can confirm this for me where folks are leaving a mess for other people to clean up, right? They don't want to tell their family that I want this person to have this, or I don't want you to do my eulogy or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so people are fighting over things and they're not allowed to honor your wishes, which is probably the most important thing that can be done at the end of the day, right? Right. Is to have somebody honor your final wishes the way you want to be remembered. And so if that's a video, if that's pictures, if that's, you talked about the magazine as a keepsake. I, I got a friend from high school where, I still have the program from his funeral right here on my desk. I look at it most days, right? Just to remember that time is so fleeting. Yeah. In a moment, it could be be gone, right? We could be gone. So with this workbook, people are going to get basically a step-by-step process. So they don't even have to go to a funeral home. If they're scared of going to a funeral home, they don't have to go to a funeral home. They can do this at their home, at their leisure, And they can involve other people in the family, right? So a few years back, I traced my ancestry, my paternal ancestry, found out that we were part of the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria, right? And so that became a family activity. But you're saying with the holidays coming up, with family reunion season getting ready to happen, you can bring the workbook and get the answers and basically be the scribe. To have an accurate reporting of what has gone on for you, your cousin, mama and them, grandma, Mm -hmm. sister. Like you can have all of that available in one place. Yes. Where you're not scrambling, where you got this tight timeline to get everything in so that you can actually focus on each other in that time of need versus being in a space where you're arguing with each other because somebody doesn't know this or that. And you have this pressure of getting something in so that it will be ready for whenever the event happens. Absolutely. And also at the end of this book, Jay, what I've done, I did an exercise. I gave everybody an exercise to do. After they go through all of the steps that I'm taking them through, I told them, go to a funeral home in your community. Sit with a funeral director. And, because you've already, you've already done the planning. Through the workbook, you've done it. So when you go sit in front of this funeral director, you're going to say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. Get an idea what your funeral will cost you, okay? The catering hall, the food, everything that you want to do, 
there's a summary sheet at the end of the book. You add up all of those items. And if it comes out to $20,000, you ask yourself this question. Do I have enough money to pay for this? You may not have physical money, but do I have a life insurance policy? Yes, I do. No, I don't. If you don't have it, it's not too late. You can start putting monies aside. You can set up, if you don't want to do it through a funeral home, you can set up through your bank a burial account, okay? And when, when death happens, that money can be used towards your burial. At least you have something set aside. I tell folks, you know, I remember our grandparents, your great-grandma used to always tell us, when you work at the end of the week, you put, if there's only five cents aside, you put that five cents aside and it will grow. It will grow. At least you'll have something there to help your loved one along the way. If you can't meet me 100%, try to meet me halfway. But it's your well, responsibility. So let's go there, right? Because I think that when you create a financial hardship for somebody on your exit from this world, that they grow to resent you. Yeah. And it's usually the person who's footing this bill is the person that you built a life with in some way, shape or form. It could be a partner, romantic or not. It could be kids, but Mm -hmm. there's somebody who was depending on you at some point, relying on you in relationship with you. And you told them, I love you. I care about you. You mean a lot to me. Only for you to stick them with the five-figure bill. Absolutely. Which I think is crazy. You you walked out on the tab at the restaurant, but instead of a a dinner that was $250, it's a $25,000 celebration. Right. That doesn't sound like love to me. No, that's selfishness. That's being very selfish. And that's why I tell people to stop. You, you know, we just, as a, as, as a people, we're so used to always bailing people out of a crisis. Mm-hmm. We, we're used to that. And when death comes, you know what happened? It's the guilt. Oh, my God. Aunt Mary died. She doesn't have any money. I'm not saying don't help your family along the way. That I'm not saying. Because... And Mary may have had some hardship all of her life that she was not able to save not one dime. Mm-hmm. Okay? Things happen. But what I'm saying for most of us who are able to work and, you know, we can, like I said, we can buy only designer clothes and bags and everything else. And you look around like you don't even have money to bury for, for your loved one to bury you. And then you're going to go fund me for people to put, a, put monies into an account to bury you and you're sitting on land for another five, six or seven days because you don't have the money. Your loved one doesn't have the money. Why should a community of people raise money to bury you when you were living that great life life all the time and you didn't think about putting anything aside? Well, I mean, they probably weren't living that great life. It was probably all smoke and mirrors and that's a whole nother story. Yeah, it appears to be. (laughs) It's all, it's all it all a sham. So the majority of folks that listen to this, they're high achievers, they're high performers, they're doing well. And I just want to let you know that if you don't challenge the folks around you to deal with this or to tell you that they haven't dealt with it, it's likely that people in your family, maybe even friends are going to be looking at you and expecting you to fund this. They're expecting you to take care of this because they think that you're capable and you may be capable, but that doesn't mean that you should be guilted into doing something that you're not interested in. 
And so there's an opportunity for you to be proactive in this conversation and start asking some questions so that when these things happen, you don't get surprised. Or you've communicated to the people that, hey, this person hasn't done what they know they should do. And I'm not willing to take on the responsibility of doing what they know they should be doing. Because now they can be mad at you beforehand instead of getting in a situation and you feel guilty, you do something that you don't feel is appropriate for what's going on in your world. I always ask one question to wrap up these episodes and there's so many other things. So I'm going to have you come back after, after we get the workbook out, I'm going to have you come back and we're going to talk about this some more, maybe work through some of the pages so the listeners can get a feel for the questions that's going to be asked. You talked about names and how important those are. You talked about hobbies and some of the other stuff, but I know there's a whole lot more going on in the book and maybe we can pick some of the most profound things and maybe some of the Easter eggs that people wouldn't expect to be asked on the journey of planning a funeral. But I like to wrap up with this one question. What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this conversation? I want the listeners to really take a close inventory of themselves and prepare themselves for the end stage of life. You know, we're so busy with our everyday life, helping other people, doing this, doing that, that when it comes to us, we just miss us. We don't do what we're supposed to do. And I've I've dealt with some professionals out here. I mean, some really high rollers and their family members come in and this this is just a mess. It's a mess. They don't even have it together, but they're so busy trying to help other people getting their things in order that they miss themselves. So I want, I want people, if the, the, the listeners here today, I want you to stop, look in the mirror and figure out whether or not you got your house in order. In it. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. You got to do that mirror look. We call them mirror moments where you actually look yourself in the eyes and ask those tough questions. And this is one of them. Yeah. Thank you for being so generous with your time and your wisdom. I think this is something that doesn't get enough conversation and I think it makes people uncomfortable, but if they really lean into it, it's an opportunity for them to create a space, opportunity, and situations that will help them go to that next level. Ladies and gentlemen, you get to control your legacy. You get to write the story, but most of us just leave it for somebody else to do. And I just don't know why we would do that. So Auntie, thank you so much for coming on the Dreamcatchers podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. To the listeners. Your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.